believe that God wants to do something this morning. In fact, I've been praying for you all week and have a message on my heart to preach. But when I walked in this morning, there was just confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation uh, from scriptures being shared to prophetic words in the prayer meeting to uh, Josh uh, sharing that scripture just before. And so I'm excited about what will come to pass this morning. And uh, the subject I want to talk about, it's, uh, it's a subject we sing about. It's a subject we, uh, we've shared around with communion. In fact, I believe it's one of the most untapped promises of God. The subject is blood. That's blood. And I'm sure there's a confirmation coming around here, someone who shared a scripture about that earlier. You might be thinking, what's this guy doing coming up here, this joker, talking about blood? What is he doing up here talking about blood? Well, friend, the blood I'm talking about this morning is not the blood that you'll find in a blood bank. It's not the blood that you'll see in a horror movie or on a a battlefield. What I want to talk about this morning is the precious blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that has the power to transform lives, to, to change futures, to empower destinies. It's the precious blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen in this house? Jesus' blood. So come with me as we go through the Bible. I heard you like the Word of God up here in Maitland. Is that right? I heard that. We're going to go over the, around the Bible a bit this morning. Leviticus chapter 17, it says, Whatever man, and it will come up on the screens here, Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you, who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. For it is the life, everybody say life. It is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is its blood. Our society today seems to have this fascination with blood. I'm not sure what it is. I know that my mother-in-law, I can speak about her today because she's not here. In fact, she's not even in the country. I can say whatever I want about her today. I hope this is not recorded. She might hear. Yeah, podcast. My mother-in-law loves these TV shows with blood and, you know, the RPA and the medical shows and that sort of thing where you see operations happening. I watch it and it makes me sick. It makes me feel ill when I see it. I think about, I think about a mate of mine. When we were in primary school, he was fascinated by blood and guts. He would watch all these horror movies. And to this day, I can't understand how his parents would let him watch horror movies in primary school. He'd watch Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in primary school. And so I'd go to his place and stay. And across his bedroom, you would see movie posters, horror movie posters. And I'd be trying to get to sleep on the top bunk, staring at a photo of Freddy Krueger. Can you imagine how hard that was? Oh, I, I didn't like it. I remember being in high school. In year 12, we had a barbecue in, um, it was a class actually, a sports and recreation class. That's a cool kind of class. And I remember uh, having this barbecue and being the silly teenager I was, mucking around with knives, playing with a mate of mine with knives. And what he would do, he'd pretend to stab me and I'd pretend to, I'd catch his, his hand kind of like this. Really smart, isn't it? Really smart. You can see... Uh, Well, I became a preacher and not a doctor or anything like that. Uh, And so anyway, the inevitable happened, of course. He put the knife through my hand, through the webbing there. And I remember when he did it, I looked in there and the blood didn't come. I could see inside my hand. I saw the blue muscle there. And then the blood came. 
And then I went to emergency and then I got stitches and uh, oh, it made me sick thinking about that. But I remember this one time in high school, and you might remember this as well, when we dissected frogs. Do you remember dissecting frogs in high school? Do kids still do that? Do they do that in high school? I don't know if they do it anymore. Anyway, good on them if they don't because it was pretty gross. And I remember it as clear as day. And so there in the science lab, they've got the bench in front of me my partner on the other side, and on this bench there's this cold metal tray, and on it is a dead frog. I had a scalpel in my hand. I remember cutting into the dead frog, and I must have cut the wrong thing because there's a horrendous smell. I don't know what it was. But what I was amazed by was there's no blood. It was because the animal was dead that there was no blood, which goes to what Leviticus is saying, doesn't it, that where there's life, There's blood. Blood flows. Where there's no life, it doesn't flow. But where there's life, there's blood. Deuteronomy chapter 12 uh, says it like this. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. So why is life found in blood? I've got this theory that stems from the beginning of time. If we look on our screens, we'll see Genesis chapter 2 come up where God created man and says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. God breathed life into man. When we inhale, do you want to do that church? Inhale. It's good to take a deep breath. What happens when we inhale is oxygen goes down into our lungs. It gets diffused uh, from our lungs into our bloodstream and goes into our heart. Our heart will pump it to our kidney, our liver, etc. What happens if we don't have oxygen in our blood is that our major organs will shut down, our skin will turn yellow and we'll die. That's what happens when we don't have oxygen in our blood. And the Bible was saying that God breathed life into man. He breathed Life, he breathed oxygen into our blood. And that's why Leviticus is saying that the life of all flesh is in its blood. You see, God breathes life into that blood. And that's why the author is saying, do not drink it. Do not drink or eat the blood. Now, if you're a visitor here today, know that Christians aren't vampires. We don't actually eat and drink real blood. I'm glad Lou shared that around communion. There was actually just juice in that cup, not real blood. But come with me, right? That's all in the Old Testament. Come with me now to the New Testament. In Matthew 26, which again, I think you shared this morning. It's the Last Supper, where Jesus says this. He says, in Matthew 26, Jesus took the bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it and gave thanks and gave it to the disciples and said, take this, eat this, this is my body. And then he took the cup of wine, not blood, and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from, the, from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Isn't that just like Jesus? To take religion and turn it around. To take the things that are, are challenging us and transition it. To turn our situations around. You see, Leviticus is saying, Do not drink the blood. Do not eat the blood. Do not take the blood because the power of life is in it. But Jesus says, church, Jesus says, no, take my blood. Take my blood because in it you will find real life. This morning I want us to go on this journey to discover what the Bible says about the blood of Jesus. That not only does it have the power of life, but it has the power to transform your situation. 
It has the power to turn around your family dynamic, whatever that may be, to empower you to live the life God has called you to live. That's why this morning's title, for lack of a better title, but I think it encompasses what we're trying to say here this morning. The title of this morning's message is, There's Power in the Blood. There's power in the blood. Throughout history, we see how there's power in the blood. We'll see how blood brothers will cut their hands and they'll shake on it and make a covenant out of it because there's power in it. We'll see how our wedding ring finger, the reason why our wedding ring is on this finger is because our major blood artery runs from there all the way to our heart. We'll see that the Messiah tribesmen to this day will drink blood because they believe strength is found in blood. But I think my favorite illustration is the good old Christmas candy cane. You know the ones that are Christmas candy canes? You'll see a lot of them coming into this time of year. Well, the guy who created the Christmas candy cane, he wanted to remember Jesus at Christmas time. So he made up this wonderful treat, which I eat too many of. And, uh, and so you think about the candy cane. It's made out of a white candy, which is to represent the purity of Jesus, the purity of the virgin birth. You think that it's made out of a a rock-hard candy to represent the rock, that Jesus is the rock, our foundation, our cornerstone, the cornerstone of our life. Think about the shape of the candy cane, okay? So the shape, you know, the shape of a candy cane? We'll flip that upside down, and it's actually in the shape of a J. Because that's the way it's meant to be. It was always meant to be in the shape of a J, to represent the name of Jesus. And who knows there's power in the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. But my favourite part of it, is the red stripes. The red stripes represent Jesus' blood. And by his stripes, we are healed. Can I get an amen in this place? You see, there's power in the blood. There's something powerful about blood because the source of life is found in it. That's why Jesus shed his blood so that we can experience real life, no pun intended, real life. Abundant life, a grace-filled life, the life of being victors, not victims, not being on Struggle Street, not being downtrodden, but being called the head and not the tail. Can I get an amen in this place? That is Jesus. He's come to procure real life for us, church. And so for us to understand this abundant life that Jesus promises us, we must understand this term the blood covenant you may have heard about the blood covenant before now a covenant is simply uh, an agreement but it's a powerful agreement so if you're married here today you would have made a covenant with your husband and wife and that's a powerful powerful agreement well this blood covenant this blood covenant started at the uh, beginning of time when man when Adam and Eve were walking with God and you know the story in the garden of Eden where uh, everything's going great until Adam and Eve take of the forbidden fruit and they eat the fruit and they sin and they realize that they're naked and and suddenly they're ashamed of their nakedness and they go and hide from God and God comes down to the garden looking for them of course he knew where they would have been but he's looking for them and and they say no we're hiding from you God because we're naked We're ashamed. We've sinned. And so the story goes on where God, and you'll know the story, where God makes tunics. He makes clothes out of animal skins to cover uh, their nakedness. But think about this. In that garden, where do those skins come from? Until that point, death had not entered the Garden of Eden. So God had to slaughter an animal. He had to spill blood to cover their sin and cover their shame. Blood had to be spilt for sin and shame to be covered. 
That's the beginning of the blood covenant. We go into the Mosaic law and we see that the high priest every year would uh, get a family and the family would bring an animal. He would slaughter that animal and blood would be spilt to cover their sin and cover their shame for that year. And year after year it happened. Year after year a family would bring an animal. Year after year the, the priest would slaughter that animal and blood would be spilt. And it was an imperfect system until this point where God said, no, enough is enough. I love my people so much. I don't want to be separated from my people. I will send my only son, Jesus, my perfect son, the perfect lamb of God to spill his blood, to cover the sin of man and women, your sin and my sin. Once and for all, this is a blood covenant that God has decided to spill the blood of his son to cover our sin. There's something powerful about covenant church. Last year in August, uh, my wife and I uh, made a covenant in uh, a, a, um, a courtroom in Taipei, in Taiwan. In fact, if you've got a little photo of our family, you want to put it up there? I sent a photo through just to show you a photo of Maya and Beck. It might not. Oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? You may notice um, our little girl. We, our daughter came to us through the blessing of adoption, and it's a wonderful story, and she's a cutie, and awesome little kid. But last year in August, we were in a court in Taipei where we had to make a covenant with that court and that judge to adopt our little girl. And that would have to be one of the most intimidating processes I've been through. I've been to court. Unfortunately, I've been to court a few times before. I uh, I wasn't always a, a golden child. I wasn't always a good boy. And in my teenage years, I used to play up a little bit. I remember going to court once because I happened, I was 15 years old, and I happened to borrow my dad's 1967 EJ Holden. Do you know that car? That is a very cool car. And I thought it would be a good idea to take it for a bit of a joyride. Now, when the police pulled me over, they didn't think it was such a good idea. And so... um. And so I went to court, and I was 15. I remember my dad was next to me. This is in Launceston, Tasmania. And, uh, and I remember the judge just tearing strips off me. I mean, he was yelling at me, and he was screaming at me for doing the wrong thing, because I did the wrong thing, of course. And that was intimidating. But that had nothing, nothing on uh, the time where last year in August, when we're in that court in Taipei, where we're making a covenant Beck and I are making a covenant with the, with the court. We didn't know uh, the language. We didn't understand the court process. But we're saying we will treat this beautiful little girl as our own flesh and blood. We will protect her. We will raise her up. We will give our life to do the best we possibly can. That was a powerful covenant, church. Now, if we, as sinful humans, can make a covenant that powerful... Let me ask you this, how much more powerful is the covenant that God makes with us that if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in the blood of Christ, if we believe that Jesus died for our sins, then we can have eternal life, that we can walk with God daily, that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit because there's power in the blood of Jesus. That's the power of covenant. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And I wonder, church, what areas of your life do you need to see the blood of Jesus at work? Is there family members who are sick? Well, there's power in the blood of Jesus. What about relationships needing to be restored? 
There's power in the blood of Jesus. What about provision to, to wash over your family or your business? There's power in the blood of Jesus. It's because of Jesus' blood that we now have access to God. Hebrews 10, 19 says, So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice. Walk right up to God. We have access to the creator of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We can walk right up to God. Access has been made easy. Jesus has made the way. There's power in the blood of Jesus. What do you need to bring to God's attention today? What area of your life is causing you concern? You can bring it to God. Is it that your kids are away from Christ? Bring it to Jesus this morning. Is it your marriage is on the rocks? Well, bring it to the creator of the universe. Is it that you're worried about not fitting in? Well, you can bring it to the throne room of grace. You now have access. Access has been made through the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. The reason we have access to God is because the blood of Jesus brings salvation. Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 10 says, Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood, listen to this, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. Everyone say abundantly free. Free of our past mistakes, free of what we've said wrong, thought wrong, done wrong. We're free, free to step into our destiny, free to step in to our future because of the blood of Jesus. See, church, this forgiveness, this salvation that the Bible talks about is not just being saved from the penalty of sin, but it's a wholeness and fullness of life here on earth today, this morning, here in mainland, as it is in heaven. You think about the word saved, it comes from the Greek word sozo. And sozo literally means this, not only salvation from eternal damnation, but it means to be delivered from both spiritual and temporal evils, protected, made whole or sound, spirit, soul and body. We're made whole. There's wholeness through the blood of Jesus when it comes to the sick in body, there's wholeness. When it comes to the downtrodden in spirit, there's wholeness. When it comes to the emotionally abused or the heavy-hearted, there's wholeness. Church, wholeness is different to being saved from death. I remember a couple of years ago at uh, church, uh, it was late one Sunday night, and um, there was only a handful of people left, and uh, we're waiting. Unfortunately, there's a really sad situation where a girl was trying to self-harm. She was trying to hurt herself, and uh, the police were there, lights were flashing, and we're sticking around to see how we can help, how we can support the family. And I remember just taking one step out of the church building, out of the front door. I just took one step like that and bang! Felt like I was hit by a ton of bricks. Felt like I was ran over by a Mack truck. That would have been a way cooler story if I was and was here today. But what happened was there's these two big guys just screaming down the, the footpath and they bowled me over and crash bang, I'm laying on my back and I'm holding my side and blood's coming out. And, uh, and Beck, my wife, 
uh, she heard the bang and someone yelled out, oh, it's Shannon. And so she comes running out, sees the, the police lights there and uh, sees me holding my side with blood coming out. And she thinks I've been shot. And, uh, and what happened was my, the bone broke out of my hand. It came out of the skin. And I was, so blood was coming out, but I was holding my ribs because I broke a few ribs. But she thought I'd been shot. And so I knew she loved me that day, Chair. She was crying and I milked it for all it was worth. It was great. I didn't want to tell her, it's just my ribs. Um, but I, you know, ambulance came, I went to hospital, and a few nights in hospital, an operation. Actually, Andres, I think, he did the x-ray for me that day, I remember that. And, um, and so I remember being in there, and it took about six to eight weeks before I was mended, before the bones set, before I was whole again. That night I was saved from death, but it still took six to eight weeks before... I was made whole. Now, sozo, church, what the Bible promises us, sozo means we are made whole again. Jesus wants to make us whole again. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded, being Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by his blood shed, we are healed. Do you need healing today, church? Do you need to stand in the gap for someone today, a friend or a family member? There's wholeness to come today. There is healing to come today. I've been praying for you all week. I'm believing for healing this morning in the name of Jesus. Miracles to happen this morning in the name of Jesus. We access the power of God through faith. We access the power of the blood through believing that there is power, that Jesus did die on the cross for wholeness. We access this through declaring it over our situations. That's how we access the power of the blood. See, a lot of us here, we know we're saved. We know we're, we're spending eternity in heaven with Jesus, but due to life's circumstances, due to the busyness of life, the challenges of life, the the hardships of life where not living in wholeness now. You haven't experienced your miracle. You haven't experienced your healing. There's still promises to come to fruition. You're still waiting on the outworking of Sozo. I want to ask you this morning, church, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Are there relationships that need to be mended that you need wholeness in? Is there a perception of yourself or of your identity that you need wholeness in? How about wholeness in your family? Can I encourage you today? There's power in the blood of Jesus. For others today, you need to hear this, that you can have your conscience cleansed. That's right, you can have your conscience cleansed. You've experienced forgiveness from Jesus, but right now you've got to forgive yourself. I remember being a pretty new Christian. I became a Christian when I was 24 years old. I'm now 40. And, uh, and when I became a Christian, I was on fire for God. I was running hard for God, seeing the miracles happen, seeing victory in my life, and just going hard for all the things of God. And God was doing great things. And, and I thought I had victory over certain areas. And I remember sinning. I remember falling short and, and just being so disappointed with myself so upset with myself because I thought I passed that. I thought I had victory over that. I didn't want it to come back and bite me again. And I remember asking for forgiveness and, and receiving forgiveness from God, turning away, saying, I'd never do that again. But yet, 
I still felt that condemnation. I still felt that sadness. That I was depressed about what I did. How could I have done that? I'm, I'm sure there's people here who know what I'm talking about. And so I caught up with a mate of mine. It was actually the guy who discipled me. And it's always good to have someone in your life who is a few years ahead of you in your journey, whether it's your walk with Christ, with business or family. It's always good to have someone who's won some of these battles before you. And, uh, and he said to me this, he said, did you ask for forgiveness? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And then he said this, he said, if the creator of the universe can forgive you, what business do you have not forgiving yourself? Church, I honestly believe that one of the greatest challenges in Western society today is the ability to forgive ourselves. Even now, I sense Holy Spirit is here, just revealing things to people, revealing things that areas of your life that you're battling with, you're struggling with, and and you're finding it hard to forgive yourself. I know what it's like. I've been there. There's people here today, you're struggling with your past, you're anxious about the mistakes you've made, you're being held captive to what you've mistakenly said, and you're trapped in sorrow because of what you did. You need to know that because of the blood of Jesus, your sins can be washed away. The blood of Jesus will cleanse your conscience too. Listen to what the author of Hebrews has to say in chapter 9. He says it like this, How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience today, church. You're not your past. You know what people will say about you. You're not the names you've been called. You're not a mistake. You're not a loser. You're not a waste of space. Allow Jesus to cleanse your conscience to wash away your sin, to give you a a fresh start, to wash you as white as snow, to give you a new name, wanted, loved, forgiven, child of God. I'm going to ask our team to come up. Too often, church, we focus on all the ways we fail. We focus on our insecurities, our weaknesses, our reoccurring sin. We struggle to live forgiven. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. It helps us forgive ourselves. This morning, I want to pray for people. In a moment, we're going to go and sing, and we're going to believe for God to show up and show off. And uh, I'm going to pray for people this morning who are struggling in this area because I'm believing for breakthrough, that you don't need to carry this into your life. You don't need to carry this into your Mondays anymore. There's power in the blood of Jesus. You can take these things home today. The knowledge that the blood of Jesus, number one, it gives us access to God. Number two, the blood of Jesus brings salvation and sozo wholeness. Number three, the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. And last but not least, church, number four, because of the blood of Jesus, the enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. He is not being defeated, church. We are not in a battle against the enemy. The enemy has been defeated too long, church. Have we been allowing the enemy to show us our sin, to say we're not good enough 
anymore to speak badly about us. He is a liar and a deceiver and the enemy has been defeated. Revelation 12, 11 says this, And they came, overcame Satan. They overcame his demons. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. When Jesus shed his blood for your sin and my sin, the enemy could no longer use it against us anymore. The enemy knows the blood of Jesus has defeated him. The enemy knows how awesome in power the blood of Jesus is. It's not based on our works. It's not based on how good we are. It's not based on what we can do. The enemy has been defeated because there's power in the blood of Jesus. We need to remind ourselves, church, this, that our Jesus is enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's internally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's absolutely powerful. Can I get an amen in this place? He's impartially merciful. He's God's Son. He's a sinner's Saviour. Hallelujah. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's honest. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's a miracle of the age. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He's Almighty God who heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers, forgives sinners, discharges debtors, delivers the captives, defends the feeble, serves the unfortunate, the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the master of the mighty. He's the King of Kings Church and the Lord of Lords. Will you stand with me as we sing His praises? Stand with me as we declare the enemy has been defeated. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Reach out to God. Believe this. Declare this. That the enemy is being defeated. There's power in the blood of Jesus. I want to pray for a few people this morning. And the first group of people I want to pray for this morning are those who maybe you're not in a relationship with God. Maybe you've never experienced this love of Jesus that I've spoken about. And you want to experience it. It's a free gift, friend. You don't need to do anything. You just need to receive like a present. You just need to receive it. This is the gift of salvation that Jesus wants to bring you. He wants to come into your life and reveal His love and His grace and the plan and purpose that God has for your life. And so what I want to do this morning is pray for a few people here. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to ask anyone to come out the front. Simply in a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for and I can include you in a prayer with everybody else that I pray for this morning. So if that's you, if you want to experience the love and grace of, of God, you've got to know that Jesus forgives our past mistakes. Whatever you've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong before, he's, He forgives that. He washes it away like it never happened. Then He comes and brings a peace and a comfort for your present, your now. And He sets you up for your future. He brings you a destiny and purpose for your future. Friend, Jesus is not about religion. He's about relationship. And so I want to include you in your prayer. That's why every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If that's you, if you want to join with people this morning, asking Jesus into your life, when I count to three, just shoot up your hand. You can put it back down again so I can include you in on this prayer. Just at the count of three. One, God loves you, friend. Two, don't miss this opportunity. Three, if that's you, shoot up your hand and I'll include you in with all these other people. If that's you, you want to ask Jesus into your life, experience the love and grace. Yes, you can put up your hand so I can see it, then put it straight back down again. That's it. In fact, if there's anyone else here, you've been away from God and you want to come back to Jesus. You may have given up on God, but He's never given up on you. Just put up your hand and let me include you in on this prayer as well. If you're coming back to God today. You're worth waiting for, friend. I'll wait for you. 
God loves you. It's by no mistake that you're here this morning. He wanted you to hear this word, his acceptance, his love, and his grace. So if that is you in those categories, why don't you just put up your hand and show me, and I'll include you in on this prayer. Beautiful, beautiful, awesome. Hey, what we're going to do as a church together is we're going to pray this prayer together. If you put up your hand or if you wanted to put up your hand and, and you didn't, just pray this from the, the um, just from your bottom of your heart. Just pray this. And we're going to all pray this together after me, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. And let today be a new day of experiencing your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give those people a hand. We're going to go and sing this again in just a moment. But I had some people impressed in my heart to pray for. The first one, uh, the first group of people was this, uh, leaders in this house. If you're a, a leader here today, whether that's a ministry team or pastor or a connect group, home group leader, I wanted to pray for you before I uh, just shoot up your hand. The word I had for you, as you are launching into this uh, new season of Together, the name Together, it speaks of unity. And the Bible says where there's unity, God commands his blessing. And so I want to pray blessing over you for 2019 onwards, that it's going to be your best year yet in Jesus' name. And I just want to pray the blood of Jesus, which brings life, life to ideas, life to finances, life to uh, resources, life to to family. I want to pray that over you. So if that's you, just want to put up your hand so I can include you in on this prayer. If you're around some of these people... The connect group leaders, ministry leaders, any leaders in the life of the church. Put them up high so people can see. Let's get around these people and we'll just pray for these people, okay? If you want to put your hands upon them and we'll pray for them. God, I just thank you for each leader represented here today, God. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I pray the blood of Jesus upon each person, God, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, for their families represented here today, that there's life in the blood of Jesus, that there's power in the blood of Jesus. I pray blessing upon each person, God. I prophesy life. I prophesy favor. I prophesy grace, creative ideas, resources to come from heaven upon each family represented, each person represented in this church in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, the next group of uh, people I want to pray for this morning, maybe this message is spoken to you. Maybe you need the blood of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus in your life. And in particular, for those who are either sick or representing a family member or a friend who's sick. I'm not talking about the common cold here. I really felt in my heart this week to bring breakthrough where there hasn't been breakthrough. Whether it's a, a, a disease or an illness that's been around for too long, I want to pray for, for you. I also want to pray for um, those who, when I was talking about unforgiveness, that really spoke to you this morning as well. And uh, I want to pray for you. And the last group of people I want to pray for is, uh, is marriages. Those who are going through a bit of a challenge in marriage, the blood of Jesus brings restoration. It can reveal. It can reveal things to you. It can bring life to you. So I say a big group of those people now, and so you don't have to feel embarrassed by putting your hand up at all because it could be any one of those uh, situations. But if that's you and you want prayer for that, can you just shoot up your hand this morning so I know who I'm praying for? Beautiful. Who else needs prayer? Yeah, great. Awesome. Anyone on this side? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. 
something full of faith. And let's come out the front as we sing this, as we declare this. Step out of your seat. Come down the front. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask some of our ministry team to pray for you. We're going to declare the blood of Jesus over your situation and believe that today the enemy has been defeated. The enemy who comes to kill, steal and destroy has been defeated. And Jesus has come to bring life in your situation. In Jesus' name.